Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me on the Light Journal Podcast. I'm Jamie Perez. Today, I'll be talking about what we are. This is the second episode of the Human Programming Series. If you haven't had a chance to hear the first episode, be sure to go check that out. What we are. Philosophers, theologians, and scientists have been trying to answer that question forever. I can't say I have all the answers on that one. No one does. But I do have a little bit to add to the conversation. At our most basic level, we are little balls of light composed of photons, quarks, leptons, and whatever other quantum states there might be. In other words, we aren't one thing but a combination that creates higher and higher states. Photons are part of atoms, and the atoms merge together, and they create molecules. Molecules merge together to create cells. The cells merge together, and they create organs, bones, plants. Some of the latest research has made a very intriguing discovery. Cells are sentient. But you didn't see that one coming. Now, if you don't believe me, go take a visit to the National Institute of Health and check out the article entitled Life and Consciousness, the Vandanic View. Read the article for yourself. I'm going to quote the phrase that really stood out to me. Unicellular organisms display learning, memory, anticipation, risk management, and other aspects of cognitive behavior. Therefore, strong evidence from cellular biology is forcing biologists to accept that even the smallest cells are sentient beings. The article goes on to say, even individual cells in the multicellular organisms exhibit individual cognitive behavior. So to answer the question, what are we? It starts with, The biology of cells. We are composed of trillions of sentient cells that have a memory, anticipate and respond to risks, and do other things that indicate sentience. Let's put this into more practical terminology. When you're afraid of something, you typically have one of the following five responses. Fight, blight, faint, freeze, or fawn. Those are biological responses. Your body, which is composed of trillions of collaborating cells, are working together to survive whatever it is that you're fearing at this moment. And they're reacting to that situation based on memories you formed during those life experiences. So if you learn that running away keeps you safe, that's the memory your cells hold. And that will be your first response when faced with fear. The same is true if you learn that fighting was the best response to fear. Because your cells remember when they were threatened, damaged, healed, abused, or maybe even felt good, your body will anticipate and react to your present situation based on their memory of a past situation. You'll feel things like, tension, anxiety, stomach ache, headaches, paralysis, or any number of other things. And you'll feel them not because of what's happening at the moment, but because of what your cells remember happened in the past. 
Now, if you've ever wondered why you overreact to things or get triggered by certain events or certain situations, here's part of the answer. Your cells remember. They've been programmed to remember. So that answers the first part of the question, what you are. You are a living organism made up of trillions of sentient cells programmed to remember everything that's ever happened to you. And then they react based on what they remember. But that's not all you are. We're also a unified consciousness that possesses a sense of identity. Science has been searching for where consciousness comes from or when it starts. We already know consciousness extends beyond death. There have been numerous studies connected on people who experienced near-death experiences or NDEs as they're called. Some research claims that as many as 1 in 10 have experienced an NDE. Those experiences from NDEs are so strong and so convincing that even our oldest human records talk about life after death. So why is that important to our discussion of what we are? NDEs throughout the world provide evidence that our biological bodies are not us. We are separate from the body and we exist after the body dies. This part of ourselves might be known as consciousness, spirit, soul. The term really doesn't matter. It's the idea that's more important. Regardless of the term you choose to use, the millions of people who have experienced being out of body prove that our body serves as a host for consciousness. If that isn't enough evidence, reincarnation research adds another level. Scientists have been studying reincarnation using the scientific method since the 1950s. Over the past 70 years, that research has validated the stories of thousands of children and adults who have reported remembering their past life. The most convincing cases involve children between 2 and 5 who spoke in great detail about their past life and in some cases possessed scars and birthmarks where they were killed in a past life. These are not people under hypnosis, but children who have never been exposed to the people they claim to have been. Reincarnation is only possible if our consciousness exists apart from our bodies. If you doubt these stories, I'm going to point you in the direction of some research that you can look up yourself. Learn about Dr. Ian Stevenson. He's the one who started the groundbreaking research using scientific methods. Another option, if you're not interested in reading his books, and he does have several books out, you can watch reincarnation videos on YouTube where children them talk about their past lives. This evidence is there if you're open to it. And remember, we did talk about the necessity of having an open mind if you want to deprogram yourself. So now we know we have a biologically sentient body and a consciousness that exists apart from the body. So how do those two separate entities, and they are separate, become one thing, become a human? Research has shown us that we do have energy fields around us. These can be photographed and measured. Research has also shown us that the size, intensity, and variation of these energy shields depends on the person. One research project by the University of Nevada revealed that the most vibrant and open energy shields are with children between the ages of 2 and 12. 
This project also revealed that energy fields can and are influenced by meditation and spiritual practices. This has a lot of intriguing implications for what we are. Eastern medicine teaches that these energy shields are connected to different energy centers and organs in the body. Since the energy field is outside the body, that suggests it functions like a container or, or better yet, like a filter that keeps certain things in and keeps certain things out. Knowing what we are is a positive step toward deprogramming ourselves. If our cells are using our past experiences to react in our day-to-day life, then our bodies have to be reprogrammed. If our consciousness exists apart from our body, then our consciousness becomes the tool for doing that. It isn't programmed by the past. It exists beyond the human level. When we learn how to access our consciousness, it gives us the power to create a new code for our bodies, including our thoughts. No one can solve a problem at the same level where the problem originated. We have to see the problem from a higher perspective, and that is what consciousness provides. This higher perspective gives us a new code for overriding a lifetime programming. Thanks for listening. I'm Jamie Perez with The Light Journal. Blessings on your journey.